Today's sermon is dedicated to you, all the women out there. Amen. We're speaking from Isaiah 58, verse 12. Our theme for this month is rebuilding, raising up, repairing, and restoring. Isaiah 58, verse 12. I read the New King James Version. Those from among you shall build up the old waste places. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations. You shall be called the repairer of the bridge, the restorer of the streets to dwell in. The NIV Bible reads, your people will rebuild the ancient ruins. They will raise up the age-old foundations. You will be called repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets with dwellings. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Amen. Amen. The book of Isaiah, of course, written by Isaiah, is a very, very powerful book that presents to us the two sides of God. You know, I was listening to uh, uh, Frank Damasio the other day. There's uh, some CDs that Muruti uh, Pizzo gave me, and thank you. I don't know how many times I've listened to that teaching. There's one CD that's my most favorite. Later, we always have a favorite. Like we used to say, a favorite. There's one that's a favorite. And, uh, and Frank Damasio talks about Elisha. And, and I think what struck me is to, to note when God called Elisha into ministry. Uh, Elisha's ministry was characterized by two distinct things. He ministered in power and in anointing. Very, very powerful. But also, he, he, he ministered the word of God. And he was saying it was the double portion he was talking about not only involved more miracles, but the double portion of a balance between word and power. When you look at Bible history, throughout the God working in the history of the church, Hahulu, when a time of renewal came to the church, we went through an era where there was a lot of restoration of doctrine, and we had rather of with the Pentecostal movement, it was a lot of uh, restoration of the power of God. There was a demonstration of the power of God. So there's ministers who moved strongly in the power of God. But when you listen to their teaching, their teaching didn't have much Bible in it. Didn't have much Bible content in it. Let's put it that way. But then we went through the era, Yahweh Martin Luther Heller, where these were very strong Bible scholars. And they brought a lot of sound biblical teaching that had a lot of substance, but there was very little of the demonstration of the power of God. And the statement he made is that God always wants who release this balance. He had the double portion anointing. So the ministry of Elisha was exactly like that. He walked in spirit, demonstration of power, but ministered the word. And so he became, his name actually means the Lord saves. He was married, we told, and he had two sons by the name of Sher Jahud, and, and the other one is Maher Shalal Hajbaz. 
Next time, I'll be able to my hair. Shalal, hajba second row ne, nguanalo na wamshima nene da second row ne, Maher Shalal Hajbaz. What's a wonderful name? It's an anointed name, Maher Shalal Hajbaz. Elisha spent most of his time in Jerusalem enjoying his greatest influence under King Hezekiah. And he's the one who's credited with writing the history of the reign of King Uzziah. When he wrote, it was during the time when Israel was going through a very stormy time under the Assyrian Empire. Israel, on the other hand, was on the decline. So the themes in the book of Isaiah, they unveil these full dimensions of God or the two-dimensional God, a God of judgment, but on the same time, a God of salvation. The one who is the holy one who punishes the rebellious people, but then the other one who is a God who redeems them. So throughout the book of Isaiah, God's judgment is referred to as fire. But then at the same time, we hear that this God will have compassion on his people and he will rescue them both from political oppression and from spiritual oppression. And the restoration he would bring would be like a new exodus. Just like he took them out of Egypt, he would bring this new exodus and God would redeem them and save them. The chapter we have read, the verse we've read is from chapter 58. And in chapter 58, he talks to his people about false worship. And he reprimands them to say, you can't worship me this way. He even goes further to say, even when you fast, you don't fast in the manner in which I've prescribed. You do it your own way. However, if you will do it the way I tell you, if you will obey me, then in response to that, instead of judging you, I will come through for you. And in verse 10, he says to them, your light will rise in darkness and your night will become like the noonday. In other words, God says, no matter what has gone wrong in your life, I will make it right when I get into the mode of redeeming my people. Then in verse 11, he says, and the Lord will guide you always and he will satisfy your need in a sun-scorched land and he will strengthen your frame. God is saying when I come through for you, even if you are in the midst of a land that is scorched by the sun, even if you are among a people whose frame is weak and they are weak and feeble, but when I come through for you, I will satisfy you in a sun-scorched land and I will make you strong among feeble people because that's the God he is. Tell your neighbor, that's the, that's the, that's the God that I know. Then in verse 11 he says, and I will guide you always. And I'll satisfy your need. And then he says, you'll be like a well-watered garden. Like a spring whose waters never fail. And then he says, as a result of that, then comes to our verse. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins. God is saying, what I'm going to do in your life, the touch of God upon your life will not only end with you, there will be a spillover. Because you see, when God fills your cup, he doesn't fill your cup to the brim. He makes your cup to run over. David says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Then he says, he sets a table before me, before in the presence of my enemy, it anoints my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Our God is not a God who gives much. He's not a God who gives enough. He's a God who always gives more than enough. Oh, he's a God who always does exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think. So when God touches you, 
He wants it to so fill your life that you have more than enough to share with others. God says, because of what I will have done, you, you will be a rebuilder of ancient ruins. You will raise up the age-old foundations. You will be called the repairer of broken walls and the restorer of streets to dwell in. God says, because of the move of God upon your life, you will rebuild. Somebody say rebuild. Yeah. Raise up. Repair, restore, tell your neighbor, neighbor, you are a rebuilder, you are raising up foundations, you are repairing the breach, you are restoring the street, tell the other neighbor, neighbor, I'm a rebuilder, I'm raising up, I'm a repairer, I'm a restorer. God says all of this will happen because of my enabling power. It takes the power of God to rebuild. It takes the power of God to rebuild ancient ruins of old places. It takes the power of God to raise up the foundations of many generations. It takes the power of God to repair the bridge, repair the broken wall. It takes the power of God to be a restorer of the streets to dwell in. You know, I marvel as I go around in many parts of the world, to really witness this with my own eyes and see how the power of God can do this in the midst of nothingness. I was in Zimbabwe. I went there on Friday. I visited uh, 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 Bishop Kolenyati. His son was getting married. You know, so, you know, we not only are minister friends, we are friends, you know. So when our children get married, we go and celebrate. <laughs> oh, they had to call the paramedics to raise me up. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> we were celebrating. It was good. I was so glad. And then, you know, they, they are in the process of building. They bought land many years ago, and the land stood there for a long time. Then they started building, and the building process stalled. And then two years ago, we restarted, you know, our involvement. Bishop Ducky, what means when he saw their building, he said, no, I can send my engineers to rework the building so that it's, it's manageable, it's, it's, we can do it in phases. So the engineers went in and worked in, and then Amponsa, Karano, Rona is grace, bless. We will pay for this and we will pay for that. So yesterday when I went, I built 10,000 seater auditorium. In these difficult, dark economic times, there is a place called Bulawayo where there is a 10,000-seater auditorium that is under construction. I went there to see it. I went there to, I went there to see it yesterday. I went there to see it. I stood there, Bazalana. There, there it is. There it is. There it is. Look at that. That's, that's, the, that's, the, that's the frame of it. Look at that thing, Bazalana. Look at that, Bazalana. Look at that. That's what's happening. And so, when, as I stood there, right now as we speak, Bazalana, when the council saw this structure coming up, the council came around to start building roads around there, a bridge around there. As I stood there, I thought, I wonder if people understand the anointing of the church. I wonder if you people understand the anointing that you carry, that we can go where there is death and life can come because of the power of God upon our life. We can go to places where there are no buildings. Hurry feet, the buildings come up because we are there. And we change things. Can I hear an amen? Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. Just like Ezekiel talks about, when he talks about a river that he saw, when he talks about this restoration, I saw a river. And as this river flowed, wherever it went, wherever it went, as it came, wherever it came, life came. Where there was death, when this river came, life came. I see God anointing you with that anointing in your family. Woo! That's what happened over here in our church. This area, early Moyona, years ago, this place, banks would never give any loans to build here. It was redlined. I don't know what that means. All I know is the banks won't give you money. Redlining means banks don't have confidence to invest in that place because it's considered a risk. risk. Yeah, and we started building this building. You know, when we wanted to finish off, we needed a loan from the banks. The bank bought the next red line. We can't give you money. So we got a loan somewhere else and not from the banks. But the minute this place stood, all of a sudden, Maponya Mall. Maponya Mall. And then Maponya Mall came. And not long, UJ decided to go to Itamon. And all of a sudden, it didn't include Mona. All of a sudden, the value goes up. room, the student accommodation. Something has up. Oh, oh, oh. Am I, am I, am I? I'm not talking about us. I'm talking about you. I'm talking about what God's going to do in your family. Oh, somebody shout hallelujah. I'm talking about what God's going to do in your home. God says as a result of the power and the anointing that's going to come upon your life, you will rebuild the ancient ruins. You will be the one in your family who will stand up and build up the things that have been broken. You will raise up the foundations of many generations. All those foundations that your grandmother and your great-grandmother, your father and your great-grandfather, you will come and raise them up. Can I hear a shout in the house? God says you will repair the bridge, the broken walls, things that have been broken in your home, things that have infiltrated your home, influences that have come into your home. You will come inside there and you will stand there and you will break the influence of those things. Can I hear someone say hallelujah in the house? And not only that, God says you will be a restorer. Restorer. Now, this portion of this verse, I want to dedicate it to the women. Because I don't know if you ladies know, God has anointed you with a powerful anointing to be restorers. And of course, we will take it further to even apply to all of us. But I've always been fascinated myself by the incredible ability women have. My family, particularly on my mother's side, all of the earlier generations is mostly women. I grew up go higher with very few boys around. I was always among ladies. Even in my family, I've got four sisters. I'm the only lucky guy. <clears throat> so I grew up Watching women, and I won't lie to you, I've always marveled at the incredible capacity women have. I marvel even now. 
as I look at my wife and look at the women in our church and look at my sisters and my sisters-in-law, I always marvel at the capacity that you women have and the ability you have to restore. I remember one day, I, I don't know why is it that I was at home during the week. I don't remember what the circumstances are, but I do remember I was at home that day. And you know, those years, men went to work, the ladies were house managers. Those years, things have changed. But those years, the norm was that during the day, the ladies were at home, the men were working. So it just so happened it was that day. And there's a man in our community, on our street, who lived not far from our home, who passed on that morning. So the men were not there. So the ladies had to hurry. And I don't know how to say it in English. I tried in the first service. They couldn't help me. The only way I know not in our language is So I don't know how you say it in English. They had to put him. Yeah. So I put him. He was a big, strong, hefty guy. So they had to put him. And, and you know when someone has passed, they have to do all the things. You report to the police. And then they, they, they did that. The women, they just rallied around. And in that family, this man, I don't know, things were not going well in his life. And they planned the funeral, everything. And I was watching this thinking, wow. Women have incredible capacity. In our church, Barcelona, and, you know, I've seen, I've been a pastor for 36 years plus now. I've seen women, men walking away from them. Living here with, with children, babies, little ones. See, mama, that's what I want to Jesus, help us. And I'm a living witness of some of those women. Their children are married. They are fine. I just, I just, single-handedly. I'll never forget some, early this year, I was, uh, I, I, was, I was living and I met one of our, our congregants, a lady that side. She was with her two daughters, or three daughters, except I think two daughters. So when she saw me, she stopped, beaming smile, and the girls were smiling. And she said, Bishop, you know, technician or doctor or something, or engineer or something. And Bishop, she's beaming. When the brother left, this restoring anointing, beaming smile. And she said, Bona, Kina, and I, she said, Do you pray for us? Oh, I prayed for her. It has always amazed me when I look at that capacity to say, Mudimwak, just incredible how you have created women. And so we read about so many women in the Bible. Do you know? In the Bible, we read about, there's about 188 names of women in the Bible. Let me give you some names that you may, some you know, some you don't know. The name Abigail. If you are called Abigail, it's a, it's a name in the Bible. How many of you are sitting next to Abigail? What about Abishag? Abishag. Gomer. Beautiful name. Benice. Phoebe. P-H-E-B-E. How, how do you like this one? If you cram a twin, so what say? Trifina and Triforsa. <laughs> That's a, a beautiful day, is it? Huh? Beautiful. Hey. Trifina and Trifosa. Hey. 
How many of you are sitting next to Trifina and Trifas? How are all my twins? Second row, Lautana. I'm giving you many names there. I've given you the Alma Halchaba. Now I'm giving you this one, Trifina and Trifosa. Then Ketura, beautiful African, African woman who was married by Abram. Huh? Just a side journey, Bazana. Side journey. Kikupa, this is PG, PG 16, what I'm about to say. So please, if you're not, if you're not that age, Kikupa, it's very incredible, Bazana. You know, this African woman, I don't know what he did to Abraham. Abraham. I don't know what he did to the brother. Think about it, Bazana. Abraham was married to Sarai, Sarah for a long time. She only, he only got one child. Maraleketura. Yo. I don't know what this girl did to the brother, but the brother came alive. This is before via, I mean, die. I don't know what the woman did to him, but the man came alive. He, he treated the brother well. Incredible women. What about Jochebed? Jochebed, it's J-O-C-H-E-B-E-D, Jochebed. That is, that is Moses' mother. That's her name. But you know, interesting, when the Bible addresses women and men in the Bible, if you read the fullness of it, the Old and the New Testament alike, God seems to address those areas in our life where we have a default mechanism. Men and women have certain defaults. There are things we do naturally, even without thinking. We do those. So we, have to, we need Christ to help us. To override that default. In fact, he doesn't override it. It just gets under control. And as long as we are submitted to Christ, we're not going to default to that. Men have a problem of being faithful to one woman. Just, just, just a default we have. Oh, <laughs> Men have a problem. You know, and then men are more prone to sexual immorality, having bomba kwapeng, all that. So if you find a man who's really committed to you, ladies, you must really thank God for that brother. I tell you, it's not... Uh, oh, you, don't, you don't like my sermon now. You don't like my sermon. You don't like my sermon. That's why we need Christ. That's why I'm telling you. That's why, you know, when you come to Christ, that's the one thing Christ sorts out. For everywhere. Faithful to Mato Mutuiwan. So, you know, God talks to the men about that. So, men have to learn. They, God also talks to men about their bitterness. Men are prone to being bitter with their wives. We, hear it, we see how men are killing women. I mean, shoot the poor wife. Shoot the lady. Shoot her. Shoot her. Defenseless person. Come with a gun. Shoot her. Kill her. Kill the children. Bitterness. Because they load up stuff in here. They don't talk. They just act it out. So men have to learn. Jesus, God says, you've got to love your wife and lay your life down for her and love her as Christ loved the church. So that, that's a huge thing for us. We have to really work on that. All right. But then the women... Yeah, they got quiet like you in the first service. God texts to the women, first of all, says, you, you have to show respect to the guy and if, check how you address him. Just interpret in English, don't clero. Just, don't just say things to the men, just, you know, and, and, then, and then the other thing is, don't be jealous. You know, I'm just generalizing. You know, sometimes women are very competitive. Baluana with each other. And you don't know why Baluana. 
And when I as Munna, you are in the middle, Baluana, Marwana, you don't know why Baluana. And and Baba Tova support and how to be why Baluana. Whenever I am Baluan, the Marwana, how I want to walk from Bautalo says her name, but never one of Munna, the one and Chibilona, or Mona, or It's confusing to you why Baluana, you don't know. So the ladies don't like my sermon anymore, and the men are not supporting me. Never, Amen, what that ring, Amen, how? But you see, God talks to men and women because all of us, whether we've got positives and negatives alike, we are predisposed to certain behaviors and it is Christ. When he comes into our lives, he helps us to take those things in check and deal with those issues and we don't yield to those behaviors and we become Christ-like. Can I hear an amen? Amen. But you see, the, the women in the Bible were incredible. But we see them doing amazing things. I mean, admirable characters. Noah's wife. A faithful helper. A woman of faith who supported the vision of her husband. It doesn't mean she can't have her own vision. It doesn't mean she mustn't have her own vision. But there are times when your mission is such that you have to serve in this mission, all of you as a family. I mean, I was looking at Bishop Nyati Mawan and um, Lady Pastor, uh, 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 the first lady, Dakiwat Mills, was there. Uh, Mama Adelaide Dakiwat Mills. And I'm thinking about my wife. The three of us, I was telling her, isn't it amazing? In Ghana, in Zimbabwe, in South Africa, there was these three young girls and three young men. And in our lives, simultaneously, God led us in our youth to make decisions to receive Christ. Rasatsevan! Rasatsevan! So, Bishop gets saved, I get born again, Nyati gets saved, and all of us respond to the call of God. We don't know about each other. And then we get married. And then we meet one another. And then we become the best of friends. Only God can do that. Only God can do that. And I was saying, thank God for our wives. That when we went into ministry, they came in to support us. You know, my wife is a graduate. She could have pursued something else. But when we got married, she said, no, I'm going to come and support you. Doesn't mean she is weak. Doesn't mean she doesn't have ability. But just like Noah's wife. Same as Lady Pastor Adelaide. She's a lawyer as well by profession. Mama Nyati as well. She's a professional woman. But my goodness, they came to support. Noah's wife was like that. She gave support to the vision of her husband. And my goodness, the presence. I was watching Mama Nyati Mawan. You know, uh, not Mawan, Friday. When we were eating during lunchtime, Runa Raja Kaofela, Bang Kuputama Bishop, Raja Kaofela, Yenao, Waja Marunta Shebil. Even if she's eating, she's concerned about whether the other people about to eat. You know, Runa Shebil played, they're not a Balabama. Kang Yegem, Mlambi. And then I thought, my goodness, look at just this incredible woman. How can she multitask? Waja Kamo. How does she do that? How does she iron, listen to the radio, talk to you, watch the news, and cook? I mean, I've tried to multitask, you know, I'm, I'm doing this side and I'm cooking this side. Next thing, I'm like, I'm going to I mean, I'm just, you know, but just incredible ability. What about this woman called Mary, the mother of Jesus? Allowing herself as a young girl huh, to carry the savior of the world. Allow herself to be ridiculed by people. My goodness, this woman. What about Esther? Huh? Esther, whom was told you've come into this nation uh, by the will of God and for a time such as this. This woman who saved the entire nation from being killed. 
A woman who lived, I call her a Kairos woman. She was there at the right time. What about Anna, the prayer warrior? Anna got married and the Bible says she lived with her husband for seven years. Those days, you know, people got married at the age of 12 or 14. Let's assume she got married at the age of 20 for argument's sake, which she got married much earlier than that. She lived with her husband for seven years and the husband died. So she was 27 years old when the man died. Now at 84 years old, the Bible says, since the death of the husband, she went to the temple and became a prayer warrior. So think about it, 84 years and, and 27 years. So she's been, she's been a prayer warrior for almost 60 years, 50 something years. Can you imagine this woman being a prayer warrior for, for 50 something years, eh? praying? I found out that somehow the, the ministry of prayer is something that is mastered more by women. I, I, don't, I don't know us men, we can pray, we are prayer warriors, but I just find the women. prayer meeting. But it's a powerful... Oh, But this woman was just an incredible prayer warrior. I've seen over the years, women support us in prayer. Women support this ministry. The gifting and the amazing thing. I mean, not long ago, when we were burying one of the elderly women in our church, she used to take care of our stage. Way back from homemakers. In her house, we stage. What are the women mentioned in the book of Proverbs? A woman of so many talents and giftings. Most of all, a woman who was an entrepreneur. And so women become an example of restoration. But I want to explore this principle in the next few minutes with us. What is it about us? Men and women alike. God says when that anointing comes on you, you will be a restorer. The word restoration in the Bible, we find it in Acts 3.21, which says in essence that the heavens will retain Christ until the time of restitution. Somebody say restitution. Say it again. It says, until the times of restitution of all things which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. So what this word is telling us is that there's going to be restitution. Let me explain it to you. Can I have your attention? Peter at this time is preaching to his countrymen. This is after that miracle that happened at the gate of beautiful. They saw a man being raised from his bed. Now this man is walking. And Peter is preaching to these people who haven't yet embraced Christ. And he's telling them, listen, old times, Many years ago, the prophets have spoken and they have said there are things that are going to happen that God is going to do. He says to them, remember, but before he comes, God is going to go through a process of restitution where he is going to restore everything that the prophets have spoken. Listen to this, Basila. If God said something is going to happen, it's going to happen. But God says, before Jesus comes back and Jesus is coming back, there's something unique that God is going to do in the church. The church is going to go through a time of restitution. Somebody say restitution. Say it again. God says, I'm going to restore everything. Remember, the prophets prophesied that the church will experience such and such. The church will have such and such. But when we look at the church, we don't see any evidence of that. 
It doesn't look like what the prophets were talking about. God says, Moya pants in Tanam. Moya pants. Even if you don't see it, we're going to go through a time of restoration. Nizoti restore. Somebody say restore. God says, we're going to restore everything that I said. And when everything that has been spoken by the prophets has been fulfilled, only then will Jesus come back. Now, that word restitution is the word restore. Watch this now. The word restore literally means, if you are writing it down, to set something back again into its original order. That's the word restore. To set something back in its original order. In other words, there are times when things go out of order. Some of you, you look at your families, it doesn't look like the family that you used to know before. You look at certain things around you, God says, remember, when my anointing comes upon you, you will be a restorer of streets to dwell in. So God says, I'm going to use you as a door and as an instrument to set something back to its original order. Some of you remember the times of your great-grandparents. Maybe if you are lucky, your great-grandparents. I remember myself, go high. And thank God it's still the same. But in the Sono home, we all went to church on Sunday. Go high. Nobody remained at home. Maybe some of you, you come from a background like that. But over time, that has gotten out of hand. Now people no longer want to serve God. God says, Ungawari, I am going to restore. Somebody say restore. Somebody say restore. Maybe there's a peace you used to know in your home. There's a joy you used to know in your home. And now things are not where they should be. Yesterday we were having a very interesting discussion with one of my sons. And I've always explained to him how one of the observations I've made is that for some reason as human beings, when our life gets better, we have a tendency to walk away from God. I've never understood that. I was telling him even different communities, you know. You know, there are many communities in the world where you can just go, pitch a tent, and start preaching. Nobody's going to complain about the tent or the noise pollution. Take this to some suburb and see what those people will complain about. They will say, don't pitch the tent. I understand the bylaws. But then when you have a place, urera, barre noise pollution. I just don't understand us. As we get more better, we somehow have a way of maybe walking away from the things that God used to help us in. When we were poor, we all went to church, you know, because church was the only place where we were accepted. Church was the only place where our pain could be dealt with. But my goodness, once all of a sudden we are too busy and we are too hectic and we don't want to come back to God. God says if that's what has happened in your family, God's going to set back in order again things that haven't gone out. Oh, somebody say amen for their family's sake. And that word restore was also used in the secular Greek world to illustrate the return of a possession or the piece of land to its rightful owner, comrades. The return of a possession or the piece of land to its rightful owner. You see, God's justice system says if a thief is caught and if someone has taken something that does not belong to them they must recompense 
They must do land to a city. Ibizwa irestitution. Bafana lebati restore. God's justice says to the one who has taken something that doesn't belong to them. You don't just come to the dispossessed and say, I'm sorry. I am truly sorry. I will sell back to you for a cheaper price. God says, ah. restitution, you give it back to them. That, that is restoration. Give it back to the original. Oh, oh, do you see something happening in some country that you know somewhere? <laughs> and God says, even when you restore, in the book of Leviticus, if you stole livestock, you restore it five to one. If you stole something else, you restore it two to one. In essence, God says, you don't give back what you stole. You give back more than what you stole. You give back more in quantity, in quality, and in kind. If you stole my Hyundai Etos, and you know you have been caught, you come to me and you say, you know what, Musa, I am sorry that I took your Hyundai Etos. Next week, Ita, I will restore. And so when I go to the parking lot, I look around and I don't see my Hyundai. And I'm saying, where's my Hyundai? He says, no, you've just passed the car I'm restoring. There's a Lamborghini for you. I I am restoring. Am I here? Are you here, Bazalan? I'm trying to tell you whatever the devil has stolen, whatever has been taken away, whatever is out of order in your life, in your family, God says, I'm going to restore. I want somebody here to get in restoration mode, get back to restoration mode, because God is going to restore. Oh, yeah. And God says the reason restoration happens, it will be because of the presence of my power upon your life. Oh yeah, when we came here, Nosa Achiwidi building in this place. This place had been standing here for years. And we came and built. And all of a sudden, life came back. Can I hear an amen? Can I hear an amen? Watch this, Basalana, from a spiritual standpoint, in relation to the church. Restoration involves the following. Number one, the recovery of divine principles and truths that were known, believed, taught, and experienced by the early church. Let me say it again. The recovery of divine principles and truths that were known, believed, taught, and experienced by the early church. The recovery of divine principles. So in other words, God is saying, when you look at the early church, and you see what they preached and how they operated. And you see the power of God in action. And he says, when you look at the church today, it doesn't look like the early church. It looks like a shadow of the early church. I'm prophesying, Bazalan. We have come through a season where there's people who have been playing around with the church. They've played around with the anointing. They've played around with the things of God. And yet I will receive a because of the funny things that have been done. God says, I am about to restore. People haven't seen the church yet. They're about to see what the church can do. Can I hear an amen? And in a short while, Barcelona, if you think what you're seeing is powerful, if you think what you're seeing is anointing, you haven't seen anything yet. God says, I'm going to restore. The same things that happened in the early church. 
when the church walked in power, in anointing, in teaching, when the anointing would be so full in the church that during worship, the presence of God would come down. When you would see people being raised from deathbeds and you see people being raised from their wheelchairs and you see blind eyes opening and you see lives being transformed in church. You, you, you've never seen anything yet when 3,000 people at a go would come to the altar and receive Christ as Savior and Lord. God says you haven't seen anything yet. I'm about to restore. The second thing God says, restoration involves the renewal of the spiritual life of the church. Because of the restoration of those principles. When God restores, we become renewed in our spiritual lives. Those of you that we have to always ask to say amen, you will say amen on your own. You won't need anybody to coax you into spirituality. You won't need anybody to try and push you to do anything. Your life will be renewed. Your prayer life will be different. The anointing will be different. Your love for God will be different. Your passion for the word will be different. You won't walk to church. You will run to church. Because there will be something about it in the church service that will be new. And then it's a completion of God's plan for the ages. In other words, all those things that have been prophesied will happen. Number four, in the Old Testament, when you read the Old Testament, it carries the following con connotations about the word restoration. It means, number one, to be completed. God says, I'm going to complete. Or to finish. To be completed, to finish. Bazalana, it's a blessing to finish. The older I get is the more I thank God for the ability to finish. Yeah. Those of you, by Lori, you are one of those who, unfortunately, nothing ever gets finished in your life. You start projects, they stall. You enroll, you never graduate. You start a building, you end with a foundation. God says, <laughs> God says there's an anointing. I never will forget she has passed on now. Some of you may know her, Masirubati. Together, Ye and Ali, the husband, have passed away. The, the mother-in-law was David, Mola, David Molap. And uh, she was a member here years ago. And I never forget her story. And her business had gone totally dead. Her business had just gone dead, 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 dead. And when she started coming to church, all of a sudden the business started booming. But in the As a matter of fact, she has a house She had started constructing the house. But as a result of the power of God coming, Modi Mamalan. Are you understanding what I'm saying to you? She got so much money that she rebuilt her house. I remember the one time I visited her. I visited her more than once. The one time, I, as a matter of fact, the, the, the bridal shower, Yamama, was done in that house. Yeah, my wife, rather, my bishop, was done in that place. And I remember when I went, she just stood there beaming. She said, Mwanaka. I wish you not to run through away. Yeah. I see God reviving something that had stalled in your life. 
Or if you believe it, you better say a better amen. If you want that anointing to come upon you, you better say a better amen. Yeah. Number two. Rather, number three, it means to make prosper. When God restores, he makes you prosper. Basalana, success and prosperity comes from God. I'm telling you. Because you know, Basalana, I've seen it over life. Sometimes when you look at certain situations, people should be prospering. Because how shall they have everything they need to prosper? Yeah, they've got the knowledge, they've got the education, they've got the contacts, they've got the money, they've got everything. Mara for some reason. Serious. And then somebody comes who doesn't have any of those things. Now I am here to tell you, we unponsor you. In the name of Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. When God restores, He gives you the ability to prosper. We mustn't be ashamed of prosperity. We mustn't shy away from succeeding. As long as we don't worship success, we worship God. But may God grant you success in the name of Jesus. God told Joshua, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. When God restores, he brings prosperity. We need prosperity, Bazalana. A well-rounded prosperity. Give me prosperity. Start first of all with your spiritual life. When you have a healthy relationship with God. Hallelujah. And then it goes to your health. And it goes to your family. And then it goes to your pocket. And then it goes to your relationships. Can I hear an amen? And then it goes into your career. And then and in everywhere you go, I see God prospering somebody in this house. I said I see God prospering somebody in this house. That word means to recompense. We've already talked about recompensing. It means to rescue, to refresh, to set again. In other words, lost opportunity God gets bought back. You know, you had an opportunity, or you had an opportunity, you were careless with it. Or no, no, you had an opportunity. And God says, you know what? Yeah, food. I've been in those situations where I've said, God, I didn't realize it. Before it settled because it's an opportunity. I see God setting you again. Can I hear it? Then it means to retrieve. Tell two people to retrieve. Now, years ago, when I was still learning how to use a computer, you know, I prepare my sermons on computer, and I have a lot of sermons, almost all my sermons. And now work hard on these sermons, Bazan. I don't mind telling you. Work very hard to prepare, research, read, pray, seek God, listen to CDs, tapes, cassettes, everything, you know, uh, theological books, read check on the internet, watch the news, watch you, just to try and explain this truth. Work hard. Yeah, I've been working hard, and then I don't know what I did. I pressed something on my computer and everything disappeared. Hey! I mean, after months of work, I thought, whew, everything, I work so hard, Mara, I have nothing to show. 
Then I called, I don't know who it was, Mokere King, and I said, hey, Swanwan, hey, Mun, help. He said, all right. Bring your computer. I bring my computer. Say, they start. Everything comes back. I said, what, what did you do? He said, I retrieved it. I said, I thought all my hard work was in vain. I don't know. All your hard work was not in vain. I have retrieved it. Uh, listen to me, somebody. All that hard work that you thought nothing is happening, all those prayers that you have been praying and you have not been seeing any results, all that fasting, all that worshiping, all that giving, God is about to press a retrieve button in your life. And God says, I'm going to bring it back, bring it back, bring it back in greater quality, in better quantity, in better kind. God says, your tears have not been in vain. God says, your prayers have not been in vain. God says, your efforts have not been in vain. God is about to retrieve. Somebody say, retrieve. retrieve. Oh, Jesus. I've been there in church where I have labored. I have labored faithfully in the church, doing this and doing that and doing that and doing that. And sometimes I can share, I don't see any fruit. I don't see any results. It doesn't look like there's anything to show for my effort. But listen to me. Your labor in God will never be in vain. I said your labor in God will never be in vain. I said your labor in God will never be in vain. Do you remember a man by the name of Cornelius? Cornelius. Cornelius. He, he was not even a Jew. He was not even a follower of Christ. But in his good heart, he would always do good and give alms and, and pray all the time. And he kept on giving and giving and giving and praying and praying and praying. There's something about heaven. If you will commit to the principles of the Bible, if you will commit to what God has told you to do, God cannot keep back. God cannot be quiet. God cannot just look at you. There's something about doing the things of God that will push God to come your way. And one day God decides, you know what? I have to send an angel down to the house of Cornelius. I've got to get this guy born again. I've got to get this guy changed by the power of God. Even if the people I have sent are not coming in the way of Cornelius because he is a Gentile, they are Jews. They don't think this guy needs to be saved. But I'm going to change history because this man doesn't give up in doing what is right. And now the angel comes down to Cornelius' house and and when the angel meets Cornelius, Cornelius is afraid. And the angel says, no, Your arms and your prayers have come as a memorial before God. Your giving and your prayers have come as a memorial before God. I'm here to tell you all your hard work is going to come as a memorial before God. You are not praying in vain. You are not giving in vain. You are not worshiping in vain. You are not doing the right things in vain. Everything that you are doing, God is putting a record of it. And God is a about to press the retrieve button. Can I hear an amen in the house? Yeah. Oh, How many of you can sense the anointing upon your life right now? How many of you can sense that anointing upon your life right now? 
How many of you can sense that anointing to restore? It takes the power of God to restore. It's not your good efforts that bring restoration. It takes God to change things and, and start things on you. I'm here to tell you, some of you, you've been going through a dry land. You've been going through a dead land. God is about to bring restoration in your life. God is about to bring something that has been dead all along. God is about to re-engineer something that is new. Your prayers are not in vain. Your giving is not in vain. Your worship is not in vain. Your coming to church is not in vain. Your time has come. Can I hear an amen? Oh, Jesus. Raise your hands and worship the Lord for a while. Oh, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, my Katara Celebrate. Yana Barobo Soturubu. Garebere Sekarababa. Don't miss out on this anointing. Join in in prayer. Join in in worship if you can. If I was you, I would stand on my feet to show how desperate I am to receive from God. I wouldn't sit down. I would stand on my feet if I was you. I would stand on my feet. God is about to change the history of your home. God is about to infiltrate your home. God is about to move things around. So many examples of restoration. Job loses everything. If you read the book of Job and you only end in chapter 5, chapter 10, you'll come to the wrong conclusion. But as you read towards the ending chapters, everything that Job had lost, God restored. Everything. Gave him back more than what he lost. Abraham, who had waited for so long, couldn't get a child. And my goodness, when God began to move, not only did he give him one son, gave him many sons. What about the prophet Ezekiel? God tries to use an illustration. He takes him and brings him to a valley of dry bones. Because God wants to explain and give him an object lesson. It's not just a valley of bones. But the dry bones been there for a long time. And God asks him a question. Son of man, can these bones live again? God asks you that question. Son of man, can this marriage live again? Daughter of man, can this business live again? Young person, can this career live again? Can this family live again? And God is asking him, when people have already made conclusions, when it's been so long in a bad state that it's now dead and dry and there's no hope, can this thing live again? And Ezekiel looks around and says, Unkulunkuluwa, 
And God says, you know what? I'm going to involve you in this process of restoration. I'm going to use you as a door to bring restoration. In the same way, God's going to use you in your family, in your home to bring restoration. God says, even if the power is mine, I'm going to let you do something. Son of man, prophesy to the bones. Speak to the bones. Speak to your marriage. Speak to your career. Speak to your family. Say words. Tell the bones, bones, leave again. Speak to that business. Business, leave again. Marriage, leave again. Ministry, leave again. You church, leave again. Speak to it. And as the prophet spoke, God took the words of the prophet, filled it with his power. And as the words landed on the dry bones, all of a sudden the dry bones were transformed. I see transformation in your home. I see transformation in your family. I said I see transformation in your business. And the bones got back together again to their rightful place. And they came back bone upon bone in the rightful place. And all of a sudden a skeleton was standing there. And God said, son of man, this is step one. This is entry level. I see God taking you beyond the entry level. God says, I have done it, but this is entry level. Son of man, prophesy. And as he spoke, flesh came upon the bones. God said, it's good enough, but I'm not yet there. Harasofiti, prophesy, and all of a sudden, spirit came back. And a full man and full soldiers were standing there. I see God bringing restoration in your life. Whatever valley of dry bones you've been going through. Some of you, you've been discouraged because of the value of dry bones. But today I say as an act of faith, you need to give God a shout of glory because God is about to change things in your life. I said as an act of faith, you need to give God a shout because the dry bones are about to live. And God says prophesy. The word prophesy means speak by divine inspiration. That's what it means. As the presence of God comes upon you, speak by divine inspiration. Because there's something about the inspiration of God that goes back to things that have been dead for years and years. Things that are already dry. Things that are already under the ground, are already buried. Nobody is thinking about it. Nobody is ever imagining it will ever happen. But when God comes upon it, and that's what I'm going to do right now. I want to prophesy. I want to pray a prophetic prayer upon your life today. Whatever area of dry bones you have in your life and you need this prayer, just raise your hand as we speak the word of the Lord upon your life. Father, I speak the word of the Lord as I command the dry bones to come back to life again. In the name of Jesus, I speak life in those bones. In the name of Jesus, I speak life to that career. I speak life to that business. I speak life to those plans. In the name of Jesus, I speak life to that relationship. In the name of Jesus, I speak life to that home. I speak life to that ministry. In the name of Jesus, I speak life to that vision. In the name of Jesus, I speak life to those finances. I speak life to those possessions. In the name of Jesus, I speak life to that assignment. In the name of Jesus, I command you dry bones, come back to life. I speak life to you in the name of Jesus. I speak life to you in the name of Jesus. Father, I command even those who have been sick for years and the doctors have told them they will never heal and the doctors 
tell them they have only few weeks to live or few months to live I command the spirit of death to go away as the river of God comes into your life as the presence of God fills your life I command life to come I command death to go in the name of Jesus I speak a new day in your life in the name of Jesus let it fill your life in Jesus name wherever there's been deadness dryness predictability stiffness stagnation life comes pray in the Holy Ghost right now somebody pray in the Holy Ghost right now somebody pray in the Holy Ghost and let that anointing come Pray in the Holy Ghost and let the anointing come upon you. You've come this morning, you've been invited or you've come on your own. And as you are standing on these holy grounds, you realize that God is real. God is real. You may not have fully understood everything we've been doing, but one thing for sure, you've experienced His touch. You've experienced His presence. And your heart longs for God to come into the fullness of your life. You want to know Him. You want to experience Him. You want Him to come into your life and make things right. You're yearning that your life, your heart can be touched by Him. You realize you've been longing for something you couldn't understand. Today you realize your heart longs for God. And today you want to come into a personal knowledge of Jesus Christ. You want to invite Jesus to come into your life, to change you and make you a child of God, to forgive you for all your sins, transform you and make you a new person. All that longing, all that restlessness, the meaningless of life, a desire of something you could not describe. Today you realize you are thirsty. You are longing for Jesus. And Jesus stands with arms wide open, waiting for you, inviting you and saying, come unto me, all you who are heavily laden. He says, I'll give you rest. He says, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. All you need to do today is to just say, Jesus, I want to invite you in my life. Jesus, I want to pray. And through that prayer, invite you in my life. I want to lead you in that prayer right now. Wherever you are standing right now, if you say, please pray for me. My life is not pleasing before God. My life is not right before God. But today, I want to make things right. I want to invite Jesus Christ to come into my heart and make me a child of God. Please pray for me. If that is you, as you are all standing, our heads bowed, our eyes closed, please. If that is you and you need the prayer, would you just raise your hand right where you stand? Raise it high so that I can see it. I want to pray for you. Thank you for those hands. Thank you. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. It's only Jesus. 
Only Jesus. Thank you for those hands. Even people who are in the foyer, if you've raised your hands, keep your hand raised. Now, this is what I want to do. I want to pray for you. I want to bring you before the Lord. I want to bring you before God because only He can change your lives. I want to ask all those people who raise their hands, would you please just come from where you are, take all your belongings in your hands and just walk from where you are. Come all the way to the front here so that I can pray with you. Just come right now. Come right now. Give them a big hand as they come. Come on. Here they come. Here they come. Bless you. Bless you.